sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Uh, Before we get into today's special episode of Ignition, thank you very much, Father, uh, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's topic, if if you have ideas for future episodes of Ignition, please feel free. Do not hesitate to contact us. The best way to do that is by emailing either either emailing us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you can tweet to us at sfdiocese using the hashtag ignition. Again, if you're on Twitter, you will know what hashtags are all about. Our Twitter handle, sfdiocese, use the hashtag ignition. Hi, Father. Merry Christmas. How you doing? Good, thanks. Uh, <laughs> we are pre-recording this, as Father said before we restarted recording. We, we are pre-recording this very special episode of Ignition because it's airing on today, Christmas Day, right? Yay! Yay. So Father and I are both, by at this point in the afternoon, um, when this normally airs on Lamb Catholic Radio. And for those of you who, who download the and listen to this by podcast, maybe, you, maybe you're hearing this Christmas Eve even, so... Merry Christmas to you, too. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Father, um, I don't know. I'm I, I, Perhaps we've had an episode of Ignition that's aired on Christmas before, but I don't recall that being the case. So maybe we should talk about the Incarnation, huh? That sounds like a good idea. So a red carnation, a white carnation, what type of carnation? <laughs> an incarnation. <laughs> the Word made flesh today, of course, and we, we've talked about this in the past, uh, especially talking about the Advent and how we've, we've spent now um, over three, um, three and a half weeks of Advent preparing for the the great solemnity that we're celebrating today, um, in which we celebrate the Word made flesh, and we look forward to Christ's return at the end of time. In fact, I remember, Father, one of the things that struck me, I think from the second week of Advent, uh, reading, I think, from First Peter, how we, we we should hasten the Lord's coming. So so we long for the Lord's coming. We, we do what we can to bring it closer somehow. Uh, and that's what Maranatha, we're, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. And so that's what we're celebrating today, looking back to the, the, the coming of Christ in the incarnation, which we'll be talking about today, but also looking forward, yearning, yearning for his coming at the end of time um, when he will judge the living and the dead. Uh, doesn't sound as exciting. And the world by fire, amen. Yeah, amen. <laughs> if you want to go Second Peter 3. Let's go Armageddon on the uh, Christmas edition of Ignition. Um, so, Father, why don't we, I, I don't know, uh, maybe the, at least one of the things that struck me thinking about um, recording on on Christmas, or recording an episode for Christmas itself, is just, in my own case, the, the sort of transition that, uh, frankly, is it to some degree still underway, but that um, happened for me, you know, mm-hmm. growing up, I think, like many, many um, American children, uh, just the, the excitement of, of Christmas and, and the joy, you know, we would, we I was blessed that we were able to go be with both my mom's side of the family Christmas Eve and then my dad's side of the family Christmas Day, spent Christmas night, uh, at, slept Christmas Eve night in our house and so on. So just you know, a lot of the, the, the you know, 
of course, many gifts, perhaps too many gifts, um, but just the joy of being with family, going to mass and Christmas Eve, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then um, post reversion for me during college, uh, you know, sort of transitioning then, you know, on the first for me, Father, it was sort of like trying to yearn for that nostalgia in a nostalgic way for that excitement and the, the, that, that childhood joy that I had growing up and first trying to recreate that. But then I realized that maybe a bit of a fool's errand um, because there, there's a greater joy uh, that, that can be had uh, celebrating Christmas from from a deeper perspective as just maturing as an adult, uh, but then even maturing in, in terms of the faith and, you know, recognizing the things that I know I say to my kids, it's not about the Christmas, it's about the, not about the presents. Um, it's not <laughs> about St. Nicholas. Um, it, it's, it's about celebrating the coming of Christ, looking forward to his return. And just, you know, this, trying to recognize that and and live out in that deeper in a sense more authentic way or more more mature way perhaps um the, the joy of the season does that make sense it does it does and well and in truly christian joy joy about the coming of christ joy about the coming of the savior joy about his presence here uh more than just the joy of the uh the earthly joy of the things that go along with it right exactly exactly I mean, because a lot of the, 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 and that's certainly no way to, to, I'm not denigrating, you know, that, that, that sort of joy and excitement and so on that. Why do you hate Christmas trees? <laughs> because I, I still, that, 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 that joy remains, um, but, but there's a deeper joy that's less transitory. That's more, more permanent because, you know, Christmas in that first sense comes and well, obviously in many senses it comes and goes, but the joy of Christmas, the Christian joy ought to remain, ought to endure beyond the, the feast itself, beyond the Christmas season even. Um, and, and, and so it's trying to mature in my faith that way and, and celebrate those more, uh, permanent things, if you will. Have you, right. I don't know, do you have, do you have any similar experience at all as you, you know, went through the deepening of your faith in early adulthood, early adulthood as well? Or has it sort of always just been a, 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 a progressive maturation deepening? Oh, it was deep and profound from the first moments of my cognitive awareness. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, no, you know, um, I, as you're talking about it, one that kind of sticks out to me, um, well, two, 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 two things stick out to me. One is, um, you know, it's a little different for me as a priest, and I don't know if you went through some of the same stuff just as a, um, uh, maybe with, with, with children and responsibilities as a husband and father, but, uh, you know, I think there's kind of that growing maturity uh, just in my life, but then even just like further ones as a priest as well. If that makes sense, you mean now? Do you mean because I and maybe this? I'm not sure if this is what you mean or not, but I, I'm going to I'm going to express sympathy whether or not you need it or not. One of the things <laughs> that that I you know I think about with you know with the the priests who I know like yourself is that I mean I know that you you know oftentimes are able to spend it with family, perhaps parishioners and so on, but it's obviously very different from my experience, but it presumably different from your experience growing up as well. I mean, mom and dad, your brother and so on, me with my mm-hmm. sisters and parents, uh, but but your. I don't know, the, the, the not having the same connection on the human level, um, I feel for you, if you will. Yeah, and I think like, for, well, I, I don't feel too bad. Don't cry for me, Argentina. <laughs> um, 
No, I, it's interesting because, like, you know, you talk about, like, kind of maybe um, epochal Christmas experiences. Yeah, yeah. How's, how's that for a word? There you go. Um, but uh, when I was a deacon, uh, so it was my last Christmas before I was a priest, right? And assigned to a parish with real responsibilities. I get food poisoning on Christmas Eve morning. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> So my, uh, I barely got to the last Christmas of Christmas Day, you know, some 30 hours later. Right. Yeah. And just like barely huddled in the pew, you know, right. and trying to, yeah, wondering if I'm safe to receive Holy Communion. Right. Yeah. Oh. So I don't desecrate the Blessed Sacrament. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the moments like that stick out about, you know, what's Christmas joy? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, a real one for me, it would just be, um, it was my first ever midnight mass. Uh, and I was a priest and uh, at one of my parishes. And hearing the first reading from Isaiah for the, the mass of the night, uh, the midnight mass, there's a line in there, every boot that is tramped in battle and every cloak that has been rolled in blood will be burned as for fuel in the flames. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that passage. No, I don't. Wow. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and I hear the reader say it. And the reader at this parish uh, is a retired Marine uh, uh, sergeant. Yeah. And he usually wear his dress uniform uh, to lecture on that night, which is really just kind of striking as well. Yeah. Uh, especially with that reading. Um, and all I can think of is, and I, and I, and I received a, not in just an earthly sense of no more warfare, but definitely in the in the Christian salvific sense of um, all those little battles that every soul fights, you know, and, and they're very personal to me. But I think you know, listeners, you know those those little battles that you fight, you know, for sanctity, for uh, for the moral life, for the Christian life. That all that all all those times I've fought in that battle against myself. Uh, that that will just become, you know, fuel in the fires of his victory. Mm. Amen. Amen. Yeah, amen. And that was just a real Christmas uh, joy for me in that way. Right. And, it was, and it's something that's kind of stayed with me and continued to develop since. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's, I think what we're, we're called to do is is that transition from the childhood excitement and so on. And again, not that it's bad, I, th- I think it's appropriate to the age uh, but then to, to to truly mature and deepen and and have those those profound experiences that obviously uh, in, in a case like you just give the example you just gave they they remain with us beyond well just even the the year let alone that day right so it's, I, I I think in light of that one of the beautiful things we can do then um, and and one way to do that um, is is to to look at okay why are we celebrating this feast. Um, why are we, why are we, what, what is it about Christmas that we're, we're celebrating exactly? And, and one of the, my favorite ways to do this, um, is to look at what the church specifically teaches about why the word became flesh, why the son of God, why did the father send the son, um, into the world in, in this, in this unique way where he took on human nature. Um, and the, and the catechism of the Catholic church addresses this in a very succinct yet to be profound way, um, giving four reasons for the incarnation, four, four and answers. To before we jump into this. Yeah. Before we jump into the four reasons, can I just throw a little something out there? Sure. Uh, I think it's, you know, 
before you say, oh, here goes uh, Dr. Burgo and Father Andrew and another exciting uh, uh, jump into the catechism or into the scriptures or into these theological points that don't have an impact to my day-to-day life. I, this is a beautiful season to think about this truth that, um, you know, the beautiful things we love of Christmas, the beautiful hymns, uh, the beautiful imagery, the beautiful artwork, the beautiful poetry, all of this comes from the immensity uh, and the solidity of the teaching. And that if you took away the solidity and the clarity and the depth of the teaching, you wouldn't have inspiration for such beautiful artworks as these. Right, right. And so that's why we go to these. And that's why it's good for each and every soul to know, maybe not everything, but at least something. The, you know, sometimes, and this is in many ways a bad analogy, but I'm going to use it anyway. You know, the foundation of a house isn't really that exciting to look at. If you've ever seen, you know, the 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 concrete being poured or the block being laid and and the masons doing their thing, cementing it together. Not very exciting to look at, but look at what can be built on top of those foundations. Um, right. And and I would say in this case, the reason the analogy breaks down is because the foundations are beautiful. I mean, they're, they're profound in their own right, let alone the consequences, the manifestations, that the, the things that are built on top of them. So well said, Father. Thank you very much. So are we a go for... Um, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So that so was the one thing. This is, uh, uh, and you can find this in the catechism. Uh, catechism is online. You can find it all over the place, including the Vatican website, the U.S. Bishops Conference website. Um, just do an internet search for catechism of the Catholic Church if you don't have your own bound copy. Uh, the, the section we're looking at is uh, is four fifty six through four sixty in the catechism. And again, if you've never opened a catechism before, that's not the page number. You'll see that. Uh, Almost every paragraph virtually has a number in bold on the left there, um, and and those are the the numbers that we use to reference different sections of the catechism. So we're looking at four fifty six through uh, four sixty. Um, again, the, the the church's answer to the question, "Why did the word become flesh?" Um, and it begins just by referring to the statement of the first ecumenical council, uh, the Nicene Creed. The catechism tells us we answer by confessing. We confess for us men and for our salvation. He came down from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit. He became incarnate of the Virgin Mary and was made man. So that's not the, that's not the first reason, but that's sort of setting the stage, reminding us this is the ancient faith of the church, the summary that's given right there. And then the catechism unpacks um, unpacks that in these four particular answers. So, Father, the, the, the first one here, um, sort of probably maybe the one that comes uh, first and foremost to people's minds, um, the word became flesh. To, to save us by reconciling us with God. Um, would you mind reading the, the opening part of 457 there? The word became flesh for us in order to save us by reconciling us with God who loved us and sent his son to be the expiation for our sins. The father has sent his son as savior of the world and he has revealed, he was revealed to take away sins. So the first basic one, again, that, that the Word became flesh to, to save us from our sins, um, to reconcile us with God. I, I think, Father, that's probably what, what most Christians would first think of, why the Word became flesh, why did why, why the Son become man? Um, that's probably one that comes quickly to mind. 
And kind of like the typical thing you see at maybe the football games, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. Exactly right, right. And I love you know, right after that that what you that 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 first part that you read. Um, there's this beautiful quote from Saint Gregory of Nyssa: "Sick our nature demanded to be healed, fallen to be raised up, dead to rise again. We had lost the possession of the good; it was necessary for it to be given back to us. Closed in the darkness, it was necessary to bring us the light." Captives, we awaited a savior. Prisoners, help. Slaves, a liberator. Are these things minor or insignificant? Did they not move God to descend to human nature and visit it, since humanity was in so miserable and unhappy a state? The end. <laughs> I don't know. I, that's just, to me, a, a very pro, uh, beautiful way, poetic way, of stating this first reason for the incarnation. Anything in, in that quote from St. Gregory strike you, Father? Well, um. Actually, maybe what it's what I don't see there. Maybe you can help me see if we can find it there. Yeah. Um, the idea of expiation. Yeah. And uh, and, and redemption, saving. So you know that because I go back to the first part of that paragraph that I read. Um, you have that idea of expiation, a payment, uh, an application. Right. In that way, you know, how is he taking it away? Right. And right. so it's kind of being left there. Um, but it, does does Gregory kind of come into that much? Or no, I think you're. I think you're right. He this the quote here itself doesn't speak so much to the expiation or that reconciliation or exactly how that ha- that happened. To me, he's he's more pointing out the need we had to be saved from our sins, um, yeah, and and yeah. that that happened by virtue of the incarnation and redemption. Right. Yeah. Because we were enslaved to sin, imprisoned by Satan, captive uh, to our uh, now disordered passions, uh, darkened uh, by the uh, uh, by the effects of sin. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Anything else with this first one that uh, strike you that you want to comment on? Nope. Okay. So the second reason for why the word became flesh is we find in 458. The word became flesh so that thus we might know God's love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And then that quote that you mentioned earlier, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So just the 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 the, the simple fact of knowing the depth of God's love for us is a reason why the word became flesh, that we might know the extent, the magnitude of how much God loves us, that he was willing to become one of us for our sake. Yes, that that great revelation of the nature of God's love. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I you know maybe it's trite, but if you just thinking about this this reason for the incarnation um, in, in the past, I've I've pointed out, you know, you know, we might love you know our pets, but would be hmm. would we become our pet to show the, our pet the depth of of our love for for it. Probably not, and yet that distance is literally nothing compared to the the gulf, if you will, of the Creator becoming taking on human nature, uh, becoming a creature in the sense of taking on uh, creaturely nature to show the, the magnitude sco- of the his scope love of us. the humiliation that He uh, willingly subjected Himself to. Exactly right, right. So I we we, we should. 
I think there's a lot here that we could really sit with. And this is a good time in the church year, you know, Christmas Day now um, and, and the Christmas season that we're, we're, we're beginning to reflect on the significance. You know, we th- I think uh, rightly so, we, when we think about God's love for us, we might look to the cross. Uh, again, rightly so. But even before that, the sheer fact of the incarnation ought to to drive us to lead us to our knees to pray and praise God and thank him for for the depth of his love for us I know I I know that that's how it's striking me right now as we're talking about this that I Venite adoremus exactly yes oh come let us adore him exactly right so and and I think and then which course is kind of that the proper response of Christmas you know, to, to adore and in the whole root of the manger and, and St. Francis of Assisi's inspiration of the manger. Right, 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 exactly. Okay, uh, anything else with the second reason, Father? Well, I think one thing would just be that um, every time we witness the Holy Eucharist, whether at the elevations of Mass, when it's received in a, in a holy and well-made communion, or in a time of adoration— uh, we're seeing not just to remind ourselves we're seeing not just bread but the testimony the testament of the love of God right yes yes that yeah we, that this isn't just something that we think about in the past but still in that in that very uh, real way continues into the present and throughout our lives uh, extended by by the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist okay uh, anything else nope so number three, the word became flesh to be our model of holiness. Uh, sorry, I should have. You want to read this one, Father? No, keep going. You're doing right. fine. Take my yoke <laughs> upon you and learn from me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. On the mountain of the transfiguration, the Father commands, listen to him. Jesus is the model for the Beatitudes and the norm of the new law. Love one another as I have loved you. This love implies an effective offering of oneself after his example. So I'm reminded here, Father, of uh, a, a quote from the Second Vatican Council that, that was probably the line most often quoted by St. John Paul II, God became, oh, no, 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 and I lost it. <laughs> uh, the, the fact that God reveals, it, it, by becoming one of us, God reveals man to himself. That in the incarnation, we see what we're called to be. That Jesus shows us how to do it, how to be human, how to live the way that God desires us to live as a man, as a woman. Um, he, he shows us the way, if you will. Right. And I think this, you know, is a good uh, good reminder for us that the heart of morality is uh, not so much in um, do this, don't do that, but the heart of morality is found in happiness and fulfillment for what you were made, and you were made to be fully alive in the pattern of Christ's very own life. Yeah, exactly. In the pattern of his very own life, as you just said there, um, that he is, the words of the catechism, our model of holiness. He... He reveals to us how we, and any, not just how we're supposed to, but that it's possible. And well, he's God, of course, et cetera. But he still, it was a, is a fully human nature he took on, not a, not a superhuman nature. Um, and so what he did is possible for us to imitate. And I don't think we should um, too quickly gloss over the fact that, just point to the fact that he's also divine, so it's easy for him. No, there's the reality of his humanity as well, fully God and fully man. Right, and and with that, that Im- implicit 
desire or that implicit invitation rather for us to follow and not just implicit but explicit take my yoke upon you and learn from me right exactly exactly Okay, so let's uh, go to the last one because we've got uh, just over three minutes left, Father, and I want to spend a little bit of time with the the, the final reason for the Incarnation as the Church gives it in the Catechism. Um, Could you read 460 for me? Gladly. The Word became flesh to make us partakers of the divine nature, for this is why the Word became man and the Son of God became the Son of Man so that man, by entering into communion with the Word, and thus receiving divine sonship, might become a son of God. For the Son of God became man, so that we might become God. The only begotten Son of God, wanting to make us sharers in His divinity, assumed our nature, so that He, made man, might make men gods. So, the 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 three lines there are actually the three sentences that 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 you just read father are three quotes from um saints throughout history the first from saint irenaeus of leon who was a bishop in second century in modern day france and then saint athanasius the great defender of the divinity of christ in the fourth century um and finally saint thomas aquinas the the brilliant theologian um and holy man saint thomas aquinas from the 13th century and father i was sharing these i i pointed to this this paragraph uh a couple weeks ago um, doing uh, some, some teaching with the men who are uh, considering becoming permanent deacons in our diocese. And, and I just wanted them to be struck by the, the, the significance and the magnitude of what the church teaches here. Um, and and the, the language that these great holy men, not prone to flights of, you know, um, exaggeration and hyperbole, but the, the words that they use to, ex- to convey the truth, the depth of what it means to become partakers in the divine nature. Uh, so for instance, say Athanasius is, this is the most con- uh, concise, for the Son of God became man so that we might become God. Now we're not polytheists. We don't believe that literally. That 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 this that you and I, God willing, uh, if and when we get to heaven, will literally become God. But somehow, whatever it means to take partake of the divine nature, which we began when we were baptized, is so significant that Saint Athanasius could put it no other way than to say that the Son of God became man so that man might become God. God desires not just that we be with Him like a buddy in heaven forever, but that we share in His life to this extent that. We become deeply identified with him and very much like him, as these saints say. And I, I don't know, Father, this, this, this is always something that has really struck me deeply. And, and we've got about 30 seconds left. What do you have to say about it? Uh, <laughs> 30 seconds. I know, right? That. You know, um, I, I think what, it's interesting. While it strikes you deeply, at the same time, I think it's a difficult thing to be struck by. Because it is something above our nature, something we don't maybe aspire to by nature. We might aspire God-like control, but we don't ex- aspire to God-like reality. Exactly, yeah. And Father, we'll have to spend more time with this one when we have more time because we're out of time. But uh, yeah, we'll unpack that in greater length in the future. Uh, we just want to leave this one with you. Um, and if you have any questions, email me, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Until then, have a Merry Christmas. Until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you with Christmas grace, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes Store. Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 o'clock on Lamb Catholic Radio on 91.3 FM in Hartford and Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.